Hello. I hope you're doing well. This is the Africa Climate Podcast, Karibu Sana, a bi-monthly podcast dedicated to bridging climate communication gaps in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mbubu. Today we end the pollution series highlighting youth's effort in fighting plastic pollution in Kenya and Seychelles. Now, I'm in Kibera, the biggest informal settlement in Kenya and possibly in the African continent. The UN Habitat says that Kibera has the highest settlement density of any settlement in Kenya, estimated at 250,000 people living there. I meet Stephen Nodur, a resident of Kianda village and the founder Kibera Plastic Initiative, a youth-led community-based organization reading the slum of plastic waste. Kibera Plastic Initiative cleans Ngong River monthly, collecting plastic waste and selling it to recycling companies in Nairobi. The youth-led organization also supplies the slum dwellers with litter bags while educating the children on environmental protection. Oduoro was born and raised in Kibera. He works with a group of 10 youths. He told the Africa Climate Podcast why he started the initiative in 2019. Kibera slums is known as trash. So I started this stuff at least to just change the mindset of those people who are coming to visit Kibera. And also I started this because us, we can control the trash in Kibera. We can educate the people of Kibera that our homeland is not all about trash. We can start by ourselves and control our own trash. We started with the garbage collection in Kibera slums whereby we used to give each and every household polythene bags, whereby they normally put their rubbish in the paper bag. Then after every week, that is on a Saturday, collect the polythene bags and come and dump them in our main dumping site, that is uh, Subra. After a year, we realized that uh, 90% of uh, trash in Kibera is recyclable. There is whereby um, we sat down and came with the idea of, uh, of that uh, we can uh, separate the recyclable trash to the normal trash. Plastic is anything that we can recycle. Be it the water bottle, empty sugar packet, empty milk packet, empty yogurt tin. So afterwards, we extended this to um, local schools in Kibera, whereby uh, we introduced uh, bins around the schools. For now, we have like um, 15 schools around Kibera. We normally um, educate the kids about the importance of plastics or the purpose of recycling plastics. The kids normally come with plastics from home to school. Then after that, when the bins are full, we have the contact person that is a head teacher. The head teacher normally call us, and then we go and empty the bin when the bin is full. When the bin is full, we bring the plastic to our main collection point, that is Subra. When our nets are full, we take the recycled staffs to the different companies around Nairobi. The money that we get from the recyclable staff, that's the money that normally sustains us. And there's uh, also some money that we normally separate for savings, for upkeep. And also we normally go to door-to-door campaign to educate people how to recycle plastics or how to recycle any waste. And also we normally go clean up Kibera River. Also we normally educate our people how the importance of clean environment is. Before we started cleaning the Kibera River, something like this never happened before. Kibera River is big and when it rains, it normally floods. And uh, people, that is their main dumping site also. So we normally get cases like my house was swept away by the flood. 
because the water cannot flow. So out of that situation, out of those problems, we came with the idea that let's go there and clean the Kibera River. So we normally do it after every month. Now, Ngong rivers originate from Kibiku Forest, south of Ngong Hills. It merges at Kibra after flowing through Karen and Dagoreti, where it is joined by other small streams and dammed at the Nairobi Dam. Now, this settlement has generally a poor system of solid waste management, with waste mainly dumped in open areas. Odwar says Ngong River has long been a leading dumping site for the locals. A 2020 study by UN Habitat indicates that more than 85% of solid waste locations in Kibera are in wrecked state. With houses built a few meters along the riverbanks, the Ngong River clogged with plastics and other waste normally floods every time it heavily pours and water often finds its way into houses. Beatrice Hamalwa, a Kibera resident and mother of two, told the Africa Climate Podcast that for years this has led to death of children under the age of 10 due to diarrhea. Before Kibera Plastic Initiatives, uh, we used to have a lot of plastics in the river. And when the rain comes, due to blockage of some spaces, so the rain could flood the houses and you know the water is polluted, it's sewage. When it gets to your mattresses or the bedding, it becomes a bit difficult for you to clean that house. So everything is destroyed. Before, we could get diarrhea like children of 5 to 10 years because, you know, they're, they're still young. They don't know if this is that or this is clean. We don't get clean water. When they're playing, they, you know, those kind of funny, funny games children play when they're young. They, they play with my dad and everything. Then they put it in their mouth because they're getting those dirty water from the river and those containers they used to play with them. So it becomes a bit difficult to treat them because we don't have so many hospitals that are free. You can take your children there. I could find even small children dying because when you diarrhea and everything, that's that's very bad for smaller children. So we could have so many deaths of young infant children because of the dirt. But Bitru says this is changing. But when we started cleaning, our rivers, like removing the plastics, there was a nice flow of water. So we couldn't like get water into in the houses and we could now live peacefully or even you could feel a sense of security because even if it rains, you're sure that there's no water which is going to come to your house. At least we have less children who are sick. It's a bit more hygienic for both families and also the children now because once we've started controlling the cleanliness of the river, they get access to more clean water, more clean environment. That way, the hygiene part of it is now being boosted up. So we don't have so many sick cases or so many children playing in the dirt. But even if they play because it's a bit safe for them, there's less damage than before. But still, it's not good enough because we still find people dumping the plastics there. It is not just about cleaning the village of plastics. Swale Juma, a one-time jailed and condemned Kibera resident, told the Africa Climate Podcast that the informal settlement has many unemployed youths. The majority living in poverty makes Kibera a crime hotspot. The youth group uses the Kibera Plastic Initiative to reach out to these youths. 
The youth embrace those released from prison and encourages them to start life afresh away from crime. Now, Juma, a former inmate himself, comes in handy. Here is Juma. I spent 19 years in jail. I was condemned. I was lucky to be released finally, but I spent so many years in jail. Imagine being free, but at the moment you're released, you can't remember your way home. You get to the village and notice a lot has changed. No one knows you because the friends you knew are no longer within the village. When I got home, one of my parents had passed away. One had moved back to a rural home. My sister who checked on me regularly had died. My big brother wanted nothing to do with me. I found nearly all my former friends had been killed. Majority of the people I associate with now, I've met them through this garbage collection job. Through this group, we reach out to youths involved in crime. We also embrace those released. We encourage them to avoid involving themselves in crime and encourage them to earn a decent living, however small it is. In fact, the local police unit invites me to discourage the youth from involving in crime. I own a barber shop close to the dumping site, hence I'm available to many. I want to be a good role model to the youths I work with daily. The challenge is when one gets home from prison, one feels isolated by those who loved you. One is jobless, yet they need money for food, clothing, and sometimes one does not have a place to stay. So the best we do is be there for them and advise them. But at the end, one makes an independent decision. But Odwar says that despite their love for the job, it comes with numerous challenges. People of Kibera have so much ignorance about this. So today you'll talk to a person in Kibera, if you want to dump something, go put it in a bin. If you want to dump something, go put it in a polythene bag. But you find that people just ignorance. As a project, we have a lot of challenges as a project because at the moment we don't have a, a store to keep this recyclable stuff. For now, we're just using a mosquito net to just keep our plastic. So as you can see, when we collect, and then at night, maybe that those people normally come and again steal the, the stuff that we've collected. So our biggest challenge for now is uh, the store. Another challenge that we have that is uh, equipments. You normally find that when we go for a cleanup, normally you don't have the equipments like gloves, overalls to put on just you to be safe, things like um, spades, and also things like water to drink. You normally walk like a diesel, like two hours or three hours cleanup. Financing is also another big problem. Uh, the money that we get from after selling the recyclable stuff, that's the money that normally sustains us. And also, we normally get well-wishers. Those people normally come and see what we do. Then from there, they normally just give us a token and at least sustain us a little bit. Basically, one net normally goes up to uh, 75.5 kgs. And that's equivalent to uh, 1,050 shillings. Monthly, we normally get like um, five mosquito nets. Full. Kenya is among African countries that outlawed single-use plastic bags in 2017. During the 2019 World Environment Day, a presidential directive banned plastic water bottles, cups, disposable plates, cutlery, and straws in protected areas. The ban has come into effect in June 2020. In March 2022, Kenya confirmed that a regulation banning baby feeding bottles would come into effect from 28 May this year. Like Kenya, Seychelles 
island located along the Western Indian Ocean and home to about 115 islands banned plastic bags, catralies, and takeaway boxes in 2017. Axo Boardwell, the Seeds Youth AIM Hub CSA show, explains how the youth group convinced the government the benefits they've actually seen to the Africa Climate Podcast. Boardwell says that although the ban Seychelles is still not plastic-free yet. CSA Seychelles has led a campaign in 2016 to ban single-use plastic bags in Seychelles. The campaign included talk shows, awareness programs whereby we went into schools talking about the dangers of plastic bags. We also had a march and informing the public the dangers of plastic bags. We had a, a sensitization program whereby we were stationed at one of the major local chain stores in Seychelles. And we offered um, the public to exchange their plastic bags and we gave them tote bags. So after a year-long uh, tenuous campaign, we, we managed to convince the government. And in 2017, um, there was a policy whereby Seychelles completely banned the the importation of a single-use plastic bag. It is actually quite difficult from the point of banning plastic bags to completely get rid of plastics in Seychelles. So what we had to do is a lot of sensitization, meaning informing the public of why it isn't so important for the, the ban itself. So um, the government decided to, to provide a lot of free alternatives um, to encourage the public to to switch to reusable bags and other reusable materials. Of course, with this ban, it came new innovative ideas such as um, paper straws, straws made out of plastic. We had takeaway shops that sell food, suggest people to come with their own um, boxes and get five rupees of their lunch. So there was a lot of, of sensitization of informing the public of why why should they they completely move towards a plastic-free product at the end of the day it was really difficult to completely remove plastics in Seychelles because even currently we, we still allow plastic straws that comes with um, juice boxes they are allowed to enter the country so we're not fully a hundred percent plastic free yet but I think that the ban did start the conversation, did made the first step towards um, plastic-free Seychelles. The main issue was the single-use plastic bags, which was everywhere. And it was a huge concern for us as it would seep into our ocean. And our ocean is our main economy. And tourists were complaining about the amount of plastic they were finding in our environment, in our gutters. And it was really the issue of having those single-use plastic. They were filling up our landfill. So we had to take a, a stand. Personally, I wanted a future whereby my kids doesn't know what plastic bags are because we are heavily dependent on fish. Fishing is our main source of economy. It is also our main source of protein so i wanted to make sure that none of those plastic bags are entering our fish our food normally when a plastic ban comes into effect there are a lot of plastics already existing in the country how is seychelles managing this already existing plastic here is boardwell again actually um the government did not have like a proper plan to completely get rid of those plastics so Currently, they are still on our landfill, but we're currently still looking for solutions to to completely get rid of them. And 
it is still a, a discussion to this day to find ways to not only recycle them but also find ways to completely get rid of them if possible so what the government has done is for pet bottles they have found found alternatives whereby they recycle those the pet bottles that are coming into the country and encouraging them to to be used by local artisanal um shops also encouraging our bottling um companies um our sebru company which is a, a brewery company in seychelles they're encouraging them to use those bottles in part of recycling them and using them over again so that we can at the end of the day try and minimize the the amount of plastics in in the country so there's definitely a decline in the amount of um plastic that are being re- recycled um by those companies so they have moved towards not just recycling plastic products they've also started with recycling glass bottles as well so due to the decline in the amount of plastic uh, bottles they are receiving they they have moved towards um other recycling materials like glass bottles they've also started with paper as well so we can see that there is a reduction in the amount of plastic being entering in the country there is because um at the end of the day these recycling companies they are moving towards other recyclable materials last month march 2022 the un environment endorsed a historic resolution at the un environment assembly in nairobi to end plastic pollution and forge an international legally binding agreement by 2024 the resolution addresses the entire life cycle of plastics including its production its design and disposal as plastics are transboundary Bordwell sees this as an opportunity not only for Seychelles and Kenya but for the entire African continent to act now. I am totally for this initiative itself because Seychelles as a country tends to sit back and wait for other countries to take action. And if we all and the the whole continent of Africa is coming together to ban plastic bags by 2024, it would allow us to take action now to not wait for the future to actually move towards a greener future to actually take action to move towards um, a plastic free seychelles because currently despite the ban on plastic bags despite the ban on cutleries and straws we are still importing some types of plastics when it comes to packaging in our country yet we do not have the capacity to get rid of those plastics at the end of the day so these plastics as entering our borders they are not leaving for decades to come for centuries to come and the deadline of 2024 puts um the country on alert making it urgent for us to take action right now so that we can actually move towards a plastic free seychelles as for odor what does he hope for in future I was born and raised in kibera my dream is to have a clean environment for the future generation i want to leave a legacy in kibera slum about environment with my group my message uh, goes to our government if our government supports us the people who are direct to the community i think we'll solve we'll solve this problem if we can just get a support from the government to just catch our hands and work together through this journey i believe we will beat the waste management in kibera not basically in kibera waste is a global thing plastic is a global thing we are direct to the community the government is there 
if you can just have a support, you can just have the resources, any resources that from the government, I believe we can tackle the waste management in Kibera. Remember, each plastic you throw away, either out of your car window or basically by the roadside, ends up in a stream when it rains. From the streams, then to a river, to the oceans or lake, making back to your dinner table as microplastics in seafood you and your family love to indulge in. So, actions against plastic pollution starts with you basically way before your government burns the plastics. Thank you so much for being part of this series. Now, there's a lot and a lot to talk about pollution, but what this podcast did is just trigger this conversation. But we hope that you keep the conversation going within your circles and within your institutions. Remember, you can listen to us, Africa Climate Podcast, on all podcast channels. Please find a quick link on our socials and on this website. But do not forget to reach us through info at africaclimateconversations.com. As for me, I will see you in two weeks' time, looking into research on climate change and early warning systems in Africa. But until then, Kwaheri, my name is Sophie Mbukwa.